0: ready so i got jigger dr jigger said here as my guest tonight um it's a real honor to have him he was uh my former fellow jigger you finished when in 2020 right just as covid was ending
1: exactly 2020 it was a great year to go out into practice
0: <laughs> yeah right i mean talk about this. yeah i guess the only thing worse could have been you know maybe uh, a few months earlier but uh uh really strange, uncertain times, but, uh, so, uh, Jigger and I had the honor of, or I had the honor of really spending a year with him and, um, you know, getting to know him <clears throat> and then experiencing COVID together. But, um, so he's been practiced now for a year and a few months. And, um, and it's always one of the questions I get at all the meetings is, you know, how do you, how do you join someone? What are the ingredients for success? And I, um, so just to tell every for those who don't know you um you know he his he residency at ohio state the ohio state right um it was introduced thank to you for including the surgery the the ohio state uh my wife's the ohio state yeah uh and then um <laughs> uh where did you do your undergrad
1: uh undergrad school? i went to university of pennsylvania uh, med school okay. also at Ohio State, so I stuck so around what for I think, residency. Yeah.
0: yeah, so you spent uh, almost ten years in in uh, in Columbus, which is an awesome town.
1: Oh, love it, love it. Met my wife yeah. there. Uh, it's a great place, great place to be.
0: And and you, um, um...
1: but uh, I'm right now. Oh, go ahead.
0: No, go ahead. You're, you're
1: uh... so you're oh, you're uh... back home yes i'm back home I'm, I'm originally from right outside of dc in maryland uh, so uh me and my wife always wanted to kind of go back to where family was and uh so i joined uh jennifer parker porter at uh, chevy chase facial plastic surgery uh which is a all cosmetic uh facial plastic surgery only practice in bethesda maryland
0: yeah well the reason i wanted to um Kind of bring you back on because it, it, I would dare say that eighty to ninety percent of juniors joining a senior five years later don't work. Um, I've just seen it too many times, and one of my responsibilities uh, as a fellowship director, as a mentor, if you will, is to see is to see you guys uh, successful. And so um, I, you know, I try to take that whole mentoring piece uh, seriously as far as you know making sure you guys find a good match uh there have been people out there that i don't think are a great match so you know two and two and a few years into it i'm, I'm gonna ask you you know how's how's it going
1: oh it has been fantastic um i mean like we like we mentioned earlier i went came out into practice knowing that i wanted to be pretty much fully cosmetic going out uh, at the start of the pandemic, didn't really know exactly what that was going to entail, whether anybody would would even come to me or was even going outside for that matter. And so um, things have been going fantastic, been able to grow a aging face practice and then uh, brought hair transplant to this practice as well. Um, and things could not be going better.
0: That's awesome. So, like what is your maybe average week like um you know as far as where you spend your time Uh, you know that sort of thing
1: yeah so uh mondays uh typically do a hair transplant every monday tuesday is my typical or day um and then spend the rest of the week uh in in clinic seeing patients doing injectables lasers um and in office treatments
0: so you're doing you're doing non-surgical as well
1: right Yes, yes, definitely. Which, uh, which I really enjoy the non-surgical aspect. Yeah, too.
0: Well, you always have. I mean, you were you were good at it. You enjoyed it. Um, how how was how hard was it to, you know, I knew you got good training with us with hair, but um, how how Absolutely. hard was it to start that?
1: Uh, it was definitely a challenge, um, and I, I mean, one of the things that I think when when I I mean, just at our recent facial plastics meeting, I was asked by a number of colleagues about like, hey, how did you really get started with that? Um, because it it sounds good on paper to add add hair to a practice, but there can definitely be some challenges uh, going, uh, getting that started. It's um, one of the hardest things. It, I mean, I will it's say been it's f-
0: one of the hardest things to
1: add. Yep, I, I agree. I think the the challenge was finding uh, the right texts, um, and literally found people on Indeed, and they're such a tight little community. You're able to kind of get an in with one, and then they maybe have a friend that they've been working with for 20 years, and and so far now we're we're up to about like six or seven texts that we're, we're, we we kind of have a good relationship with, um, and then you don't. I mean, you're you're big on not spending on the biggest technology and i think there are great hair transplant systems whether that's fue or fut all you need is a 10 blade and you can really get things done at a pretty low cost
0: so why do, why did i always preach that to you guys
1: uh, i mean there's you don't just have to take into account the uh the cost of the actual, let's say, laser for this example. There's the the operational cost of the the space that it takes up, the purse the staff that has to take care of it, the maintenance. So there's a lot more cost that goes into it. And if you can if you can find a cheaper alternative, um, I think we we kind of fail to do the appropriate cost accounting uh, when right. when looking to bring on an expensive piece of equipment. Yeah. And so I wanted to keep my my costs low. And basically we started only doing FUT cases and you just need a bunch of 10 blades and a little bit of suture. <laughs> and yeah. the rest of the cost is with the techs. So how did you get yourself busy?
0: I mean, people are gonna say that. Cause it's, it's as you know, it is, again, we've run it. I had a hair transplant practice for about 10 years. My, uh, my partner, as you know, we, we took over Dr. Beaner's practice. We acquired that. It is always hard. Uh, know people think it's a great idea but lining up the text the barrier as i call the barrier to entry is really hard how did you get busy uh
1: i mean i think hair is one of those things where you absolutely need to uh take it's just something that takes a lot of time because i mean it it might be a year before you get your first before and after and who knows if that that looks good and who knows if that patient's going to even say yes um to allowing you use their pictures but uh i I mean, thanks to my f- great fellowship training, we we were able to get some good cases and um, get some some people to to finally um, allow us to use their pictures. And um, I mean, I was talking to all the dermatologists in our area to try to get people to come in. I was walking by salons to try to hand out some cards and meet meet some people. Um, and then slowly over time, now a little bit over two years, uh, two years in, we've got a steady set of before and afters people can see that you end up building your reputation online as far as re- google reviews um and it it just starts trickling in and i mean at the end of the day i think our training goes so much above and beyond relative to other people that are doing hair across the country that it makes things there's a lot of kinda uh, a lot of uh, go uh, like clockwork. uh yeah there's a
0: lot of like okay work out there so did you um do you have a separate separate website for it? Do you have it, it kind of enveloped in your other website? Did you do a separate Instagram?
1: Uh, not a separate Instagram. I mean, I, I think we just inc- incorporated hair into our existing website. I, I like, I, I think hair microsites definitely have a role, but it's been nice to uh, use. Uh, I mean, I, I think part of joining a senior partner is, is about, using leverage and I think one of the big advantages of joining somebody who's been in the community for Jennifer's been uh, in our community for 20 plus years is taking advantage of the website traffic that's already coming to your to your site and to your area Great point. and if you can kind of reach, reach a wider audience by um, even marketing to the existing patients and existing to their husbands um, I think really allows you to kind of take a step forward
0: and I think one of the successes that uh, first of all I, I, I don't disagree with you I mean if you're going to go all in hair and that's all you want to do but I, I you know to do one or one you know case a week that's a very nice that's a very nice little hair transplant practice and you have huge traffic and um, you know by allowing yourself to develop a niche that's currently not there you're setting yourself up for success because you know she's not You know, you're providing some you're bringing something to something to the practice that isn't there already. Right.
1: Right. Uh, And I think that's that's so important. I mean, people ask like, oh, yeah, how can you uh, how can you make this successful as a, a junior partner? And I think you really have to bring something new to to what they're doing. Um, whether that's hair or whether you're suddenly, you have a big interest in ethnic rhinoplasty and that's not something your partner does. And it's, I think, finding something new that you can bring to the practice is a way that shows some good faith and exemplifies your value that you're, that you're bringing to, to the brand and to the company, ultimately. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, one of the things I always tell you guys is that, you, you know, if you're joining a practice, you have got to bring something they have to be willing to give up some stuff, but, but you have to be willing to go out there and bust bust ass, get to meet people, um, and do the things that they did years ago. Because if you just expect to be fed, it's not going to happen, right? Take too much for granted.
1: Exactly, exactly. Yep, exactly. I mean, you you really do have to, even though you're joining somebody... I think you have to take out the time to really carve out the practice as if it was your own. And if it was your own business, how would you act? How would you kind of, you're not going to just ride the coattails of of somebody who who came before you. You really do still have to hustle because ultimately your reputation and skills are really going to kind of forecast how your your career is going to go, and and so I, I think People take that for granted that it's still on you to to really grow your practice and and be as great as you want to be.
0: Mm-hmm. What other things did you do? Well, let's just let's just back up. I mean, you know, I, I remember you were you know in your in your fellowship, and uh, I don't remember how exactly that opportunity came up. But did, I think did you reach out to her or something, or did she reach out to yeah,
1: you? Yeah, I. I had uh I had basically made an excel sheet of every dermatologist, plastic surgeon, facial plastics person in DC, Maryland and Virginia and I, I know a lot of people did a very similar thing and just started picking up the phone and calling people and um me and Jennifer got as soon as we got on the phone we we got off to a great start and um she had uh told me about some interest she had on bringing on a junior and that just started the conversation and Um, I really, I knew that aging face was something that I really wanted to focus my career on. And the fact that uh, I was learning hair, um, I think were big draws and, um, she didn't want to do as much aging face anymore. And so for us, it was kind of a match made in heaven, uh, as far as, uh, I think our interests and kind of what we saw for, for this business. Yeah.
0: What do you think was, I mean you know, now looking back, what was one of the other key things that helped uh, helped
1: make this work thus far? Uh, I mean, I think I knew coming out and we had decided to, to kind of team up even before uh, the pandemic had started at this point, um, but the pandemic only made this decision uh, I think, better in my in my instance. I mean, you want to... Uh, one of the things that you told me was like, do you want to bet on yourself? And so w- what what I mean by that is, and what you meant by that was, do you truly believe in yourself and you want to go out there and you know that you're going to hustle and you know that you're going to provide good patient outcomes um, and that you're going to be able to, to make it out there? But at the same time, if you, you want to share some of the risk...
0: Do you remember
1: um, why I said that? No. R- remind me.
0: Well, the reason I said that is so if I'm bringing someone on who wants a significant guarantee, you know, base salary, first of all, it's a little bit of a, you know, even the size of the practice we have with a number of different doctors, it's a hardship for three to six months if someone's, you know, wants something mm-hmm. with a bunch of zeros after it. Um, so, um, but if someone comes to me and says, you give me either all performance or give me a very low base and a performance piece. And if the performance piece is fair, which I know, you know, enough that I can guide you to make sure that you're not going to get a bad situation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that is a, a senior partner's appealing because I'm like, OK, this guy or woman is going to go out and bust ass and prove themselves. And so it, it it's. It's telling you that someone is more likely to be part of your culture because I've had it the other way, where someone you know came in and you know they they wanted a bigger base, and not only is it a, you know it, it concerns you, you're much more like less likely to want to bring that person on. Does that
1: make sense? Right. It, it almost seems like uh, I from from a senior partner standpoint, that's almost like a, a little red flag. Uh, if you are looking to to look for somebody who wants to. Grow, really grow the practice yeah they and here's the thing is so you bring you bring and someone are happy yeah. with the status quo
0: yeah and and you bring somebody on and you may not see revenue for a few months so it's it definitely is a drag on the practice um but if they have a lower base salary mm-hmm. salary that person is saying to you i'm willing to share some of this risk because i believe in myself and i'm going to prove myself to you
1: right exactly exactly Anyway, uh, I mean, it, it's so, it's not the right. It, go ahead.
0: No, no, go ahead. I just I I wanted to share with you why, as a as a per, person bringing someone on, why I you know advised you to take that kind of position with her.
1: For sure. No, absolutely. So
0: you you basically you know took kind of a high performance model piece. And uh, you got there. You hustled. What other things did you do to show her or prove to her that you were, you know, you weren't just looking for a paycheck, and 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 that you are serious about bringing business in the door? Uh,
1: I mean, I, I think creating the the hair transplant uh, piece of the practice aside, I mean, I, I think I was able to show show her that. I'm treating this business as if it was my own Um, basically taking kind of whatever whatever pieces of the plate that my my senior partner didn't necessarily want to deal with or maybe didn't have enough time for and kind of anything you can do to take little pieces off their plate so they don't have to worry about it and you can prove that you're gonna do that um, and do it well um, I think shows a ton of value Um, usually the person that you're joining you're joining for a reason they're they're super successful in what they're doing Um, and you're kind of able to to be a business owner without necessarily taking on all of that risk as a business owner Um, and each of those opportunities is such a a huge opportunity to learn too I mean uh, whether it's hiring a, a medical assistant or showing somebody the door I mean those are huge learning opportunities and so you're you're gaining all that valuable experience at then at the same time you're you're uh, really showing your worth worth within the, the business
0: mm-hmm. And w- what other I mean I don't disagree with you again someone taking ownership. I remember when Steve Smith was my fellow and he was going back I said for the first year, Steve. Just don't ask for a computerized imager. Don't ask for anything. Just put your head down and bust, bust rear end. And what's going to happen is they're going to notice that you're hitting some numbers. And now, you now they want to talk to you about like, you know, how can we help you more and how can you grow it? What are the things, what other specific things do, do you think you did? I mean, obviously that, that hair transplant practice is a big success. You're bringing revenue in that she's never seen, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. What? What other? Uh, I mean, other things.
1: things I, you, yeah. Go ahead. So, one of the things that that I learned in in fellowship was the really the well, the big value uh, uh, in our society today today about uh, reviews and in particular Google reviews as far as your your ranking and your SEO. And so, I made it a big priority within our our organization to really boost those numbers so we started i think when i started around 30 google reviews all great but um now we're over 120 or something like that Um, and so basically we implemented a system um uh, for at every morning meeting when we're discussing all the patients we're we're discussing oh we're identifying those key patients that are happy or has been with us for years um and so that is only kind of driven driven even more uh, people to our practice and kept her even more busy, and filled my schedule as well.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I Look, um, what we, you know, we, a lot of people my generation, as you know, we are fixed and focused on it when you were there, but that's because we went a number of years with our head in the cloud and realized that, but the reality is,
1: you don't buy anything unless you read the reviews, right? Hmm. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, at, at, at the end of the day, like you're uh, you're coming out of fellowship um, in, in this case um, with a whole set of fresh ideas. There are things that I learned in fellowship that are unique that I was able to bring to the practice, and um, there is always kind of this fresh. Fresh ideas that that you can get and that you're bringing to the table as far as kind of further improving the systems and processes uh, that may be there.
0: Any other specific things that you you learned with us that you brought there that you think got Dr. Porter's attention? She's like, okay, this guy's this guy's uh, he's not just here looking for a paycheck. He he's going to help us grow.
1: I mean, I think one of the things is having a discussion and figuring out what things the your senior may enjoy doing and what they maybe don't love paying as much attention to and so social media was one of those things that i felt like um i was able to kind of take over and help help build a little bit more and put a little bit more effort into um and so we've been able to grow uh from a social media standpoint as well uh, to to kind of help grow the practice
0: yeah that's great any, any little pearls things you've learned doing social media that you know you might want to just share
1: I mean I, I think we're we all get into our heads sometimes that like patients aren't gonna want to see um, like the little nitty-gritty stuff even if it's if it's something that seems super mundane to us um, I, I think we we kind of don't want to post anything that's not our a+++ result. Um, or something extremely unique, a very rare disease or something like that. And I think we just kind of need to just get out of our heads and realize that the average person out there has never seen these things, even a simple simple little thing like Botox. <laughs> a lot of these people have, haven't really even really thought of it as an option. And you can just reach such a wide audience um, by just getting out of your head and kind of just just putting yourself out there a, a lot more mm-hmm.
0: what what other advice could you give to someone else looking to um you know join a, a more senior person they're in fellowship they've identified a few people what other advice any anything else you can think of
1: yeah i mean i, I think uh, you have to almost think of this like creating an economy of scale um uh, if you're if you're going out on your own um how many years is it going to take until you have enough buying power to maybe buy a billboard or buy several new pieces of technology or like how how long is it going to be until you have the amount of disposable income that it takes to hire like a higher level employee like a accountant or a social media manager or what if one day you want to like buy a surgery center when you're joining somebody you have this this increased buying power to to really be able to kind of take things uh to a next level faster Um, and so i think a lot of people kind of get bogged down in not having the full say so on every little nitty-gritty decision Um, and if you're able to kind of control your ego um, you're you're going to actually reap a lot of rewards, and I think it's going to go both ways. It's it's uh you're always looking for a win-win uh, in in business and in medicine, and so I think it's a really good way as long as you find the right person uh, to get a win-win. Um, I mean, how long would it really take if you went out on your own to get all those real those competitive advantages um, that your no, you know, com- I think competition a... may already have?
0: That's a really, 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 really good point for a lot of reasons. First of all, I mean, take, you know, and and that's sometimes what really rubs senior partners along, you know, the wrong way. They remember that, you know, I used to take out all my own stitches for 10 years. I took all my own photographs for 10 years. I mean, um, fast forward and, you know, the reason that Slaughter and I get along so well is that, I not to try not to take him for granted, he tries not to take me for granted, and you know, he basically starts and he's got a busy, busy hair transplant practice. You know, I mean, we've got patient concierge, we've got a marketing team. I mean, you know, how I mean, it takes years to get to that point, and with that, there's a respect in the relationship going back and forth, so that, um, you know, and you know, I, I don't have to say, you know, it took me. 10 years to you'll have a someone there to take all my pictures because I took my my own and just not taking things for granted, like any relationship, right? I mean, it's just like a marriage. And, and it is hard sometimes if it's a senior person because someone says, well, we think we should be marketing or doing more of this and whatever. And in reality, that senior partner may have been down that road, spent a fortune, gotten burned. And so they have a a data point that you can't relate to. Um, but the other thing i think is really important and hopefully this is you're, you're doing this is uh you know regular communication um you know at the meeting because i i don't get to see slaughter and i are busy in different directions and you know he's one of my partners now but at the meeting saturday morning i text him and said hey what are you up to and let's go grab coffee and we just sat and talked for two hours you know what and i'd ask him where do you where do you want the future to be and what would you like you know in five years what you know what would you, but but the key is that communication back and forth and it's so easy to get stuck up and not communicating because you're busy how do you guys effectively communicate and and make time for that
1: i mean we set aside uh time regularly um to meet uh one-on-one to not just review performance but also talk about uh, directions that we we see for the future um, and I mean, we, we don't have like a set schedule like every month we're meeting every second Tuesday or anything like that. But um, every, every few months we definitely do a, a check-in. Um, a lot of the initiatives that, were, that we uh, have taken on, whether it's hiring some uh, new personnel or a new marketing effort, um, a lot of those, as you take some of that responsibility um, from your senior, a lot of those end up being small little discussions small little meetings of how much would we want to allocate to marketing per per se or um i think those little meetings uh because we we are sharing some some of the responsibility um some of the responsibilities it, it it tends to come organically um and it's it i couldn't agree more about communication I mean, I, I think one of the things that has been a big advantage, um, I, I think, for uh, seeing it from the senior partner's uh, way is that the junior can kind of act as like a, a sounding board for both medical issues and then also business issues, too. Like, um, I think a senior partner get gets much more out of discussing potential business strategy with you compared to maybe a patient care coordinator or a manager. Um and in, in return that I think you you hit the nail on the head as far as you' you're gaining so much by their experience. and they may have been burned by uh, X strategy in the past, and you' you're really getting getting to take advantage of that that knowledge without having to go down that road.
0: I mean, a perfect example for me is just buying equipment. And um, you know, so often junior people can be like, we need this and we're losing business. The people down the street have this. And yet the senior partners bought so many pieces of equipment that are sitting, sitting, you know, sat in the corner some year and, or, you know, once it was used or the novelty wears off and, and you do that a number of times, you start to really, uh, you know, scrutinize, do we need this piece of equipment? Um, you know, and that's just one, you know, one example, but, uh, the, you know, the communication is, is key. The other thing I think is important. <clears throat> um, I know a buddy of mine who did 16 uh, business acquisitions and sold the company, walked away with a lot of money, but um, he taught me a lesson about it. He says, you know, in, in my 16 acquisitions that I did, I had two that were kind of failures. And he goes, you know what? It didn't matter what was written on paper. It's it's the people behind the deal. And, it, you know, he says, I had red flags or, you know, had red flags or, you know, had you know, and i think when you're having the conversation early on like you said you guys just kind of got along you really felt like um but if 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 you're not feeling there's integrity on both sides of the equation probably even though you feel like yo, geez i'd want to join this person because it's a great opportunity salary it's probably it's probably not ideal but I, i never forgot that he said if you're ever doing an acquisition always look at, you know, the person behind the, the equation. It doesn't matter what's in the contract.
1: Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. It's all about trust at the end of the day. Uh, you've got to trust them that that uh, they're going to do right by you, whatever they said they were going to potentially give up. They're they're going to kind of follow through with that, and they're going to bring you patience. But at the same time, they they got to put a lot of trust in you that you're going to take – their baby and, and help grow that, that baby. And you're not going to neglect kind of their, what they've struggled so long to, to grow. Um, and in that, those, those types of things, I feel like you can see pretty clearly and pretty easily. Um, as soon as you kind of meet somebody and you, you watch them work for a little bit.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, again, senior people, I hear it all the time. It's a whole, you know, entitlement thing you're you so you know you you've proven to this person that you're going to work as hard as they have to get things going you're not going to take anything for granted what other you know what other advice any other advice any you know challenges things that you have struggled with or things that you, you you were glad you got taken care of ahead of time
1: i mean i i think i was i was really happy to have uh had the guidance uh Uh, about when joining somebody you really want to be as sure as you can um that you're joining the right person and so i mean uh, really learning about somebody learning about their reputation um within a community i I think the the person itself matters more so than than the actual opportunity on paper and so whether that's joining uh, somebody else in facial plastics or general plastics or a derm or ent um it's it's all about the people and yeah. kind of what, what your trust is on them
0: so things are going you know so things are going well in the practice you're growing together what should a junior person expect as far as you know talk about partnership equity that that sort of thing but you know based on what you know
1: I mean, I think being upfront about about some of those goals is super important. So, I mean, there's plenty of people out there that are kind of happy being pretty busy. They don't really have an intention on buying the practice or anything like that. Um, and uh, I mean, I knew ultimately that that I want to grow a practice and eventually be uh, take their position. And so. Uh, having clear and honest communication about kind of what your goals are and making sure that that aligns with with your senior uh, I think is super important because uh, if you all of a sudden show up and you're expecting uh, to have a partnership laid out or um, you're expecting something different than what you came in with, um, I think that's what ends up turning a lot of these relationships sour um, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day.
0: I mean, when do, when do you think that, um, you know, someone should be talking to their senior partner about that?
1: I mean, I think even, even before kind of joining somebody, uh, learning kind of the intentions, because if this, if a senior partner is, has no real intention of having an exit strategy with you or anyone, um, then that might not align with your goals. And so, um, having that discussion open and honest and being upfront and not just kind of dealing with it and thinking like oh i'm going to change that person's mind in in 2 years or 3 years um i think that sets you up for success um in kind of knowing that you guys are starting on the the right foot and as long as everything continues going that that way that it's going to kind of fulfill itself
0: yeah and i you know as, as you know um we have everything laid out From basically day one, and uh, there's no secrets there, and I think that has been really one of our biggest successes. Um, I was talking to Slaughter the other day about you know being willing to giving up this and giving up then, and he was uh, saying you know you're you know you're not you know you're unusual, and I I was I I really not I think where the biggest mistakes are is people don't have a lot of these things ironed out ahead of time. You know, and I've actually had one of my fellows go to join someone that I know very well and is a good friend of mine, and I advised her against uh, that situation because it was just too nebulous and too, you know, there wasn't anything clear that she was going to gain out of it. And, you know, he was very inconsistent about what he was, quote, willing to give up. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, you guys have a little bit of a division of labor. Um, you know, Dr. Porter loves rhinoplasty. She's not going to give up that practice for you. Why would she? Um, until she's good and ready. Mm-hmm. You, know, she, it, it, you know, I mean, I look at where, you know, I'm at. It took me 30 years to get where I can do two or three facelifts in a day and, and have that consistently. And so why would I just give it up or give it to somebody? Um, but if that person, if the people who are joining you are fulfilled and are making a very good living, and they're patient. It's going to happen, right? Remember, I told you just—you uh, know—you don't want to be in too big of a hurry to have a full, you know, full cosmetic practice. As you know, cosmetic practices are—they're demanding, right?
1: Absolutely. Yes, um, but it is definitely something. I, I guess uh, another piece of advice is is just to be patient. <laughs> it it, it just—I think everybody comes out of fellowship like doing three face facelifts a day and expecting that you're going to go out there and, and kind of do the same thing right off the bat. And, um, Hey, it's, it's not great for you. And, and it just, it's just going to take time.
0: It takes time. It takes time. You know, I remember when Slaughter and I, you know, when he first came on board, I said, you know, came on this, just do the math. We're 20 years apart. I mean, you know, and if you're, <laughs> You know, and now, you know, he's got his he's getting his aging face. He, you know, um, he's got very busy hair, very busy, soft tissue practice. And so uh, and he's and he's making a very nice living. And really, that's what it comes down to, too. You know, you don't want to be um, and he can do all the, you know, he's recently just decided you, you probably I'd love you to see the pictures of me with this massive renovation. The place looks amazing. But, um, you know, he's he's really taking charge of the clinical part of the, of the Rejuva Center. Um, and just going to put together all of our clinical training programs and all that other stuff. So, you know, he's fulfilled along those lines and, and that's where he, you know, where he, he gets his, you know, that's where people start wanting to talk to him. But again, back to the same thing, it is a numbers game at some point, you know, I don't want to work as hard and I've already started to rework my schedule a little bit. Anyway, um, any other pearls for, you know, for people? Cause I, so many people, um, struggle with get you know getting this right um any other pearls things you can think about or like what are your your biggest challenges and frustrations as a junior person maybe
1: uh i mean frustration wise i mean thankfully there there really haven't been much i mean i I think i understood um that there were going to be some things that that you kind of have to take a back seat on um that change is hard for for anybody, um, whether that's in business or even in medicine. And so, I think just being patient w- with with the whole process and understanding that it, your your say so is is going to come, and your ideas um, may come to fruition. But um, there may be a reason why why somebody's not eager to do something different when something's worked for for twenty years. Um, right. I mean, I, I did have a question. I guess for, guess sure. for you. Um, I, I met a bunch of people uh, at this meeting, and in similar boats, where they are, they're super happy with the senior that they joined. The senior is super happy with the productivity and uh, the increased business um, that they've they've seen with the junior. But nobody really knows how to take a step forward as far as the senior proposing a potential contract or. Uh, really setting that up? Do you just mirror what it, it happens in, on Wall Street? Uh, how, That's where what do you I do. even really begin laying something uh, out?
0: So you know, it's interesting because you're you're seeing, and I actually could go on. I could do a whole podcast on private equity and what's going on in, in healthcare right now. But um, you know, private equity is basically buying practices now, and they're they're buying it. They're buying them based on uh, a, a multiple of EBITDA. And whether it's three or four or five, they're not paying, you know, they, some of the really well-run non-surgical, they're paying, you know, seven and eight. Um, but all of these business models need to be separated and evaluated separately. Um, and this is another place where I think so many of the practices fail because everything's not been separated and, and, and evaluated separately. But for example, the fact that we have all new furniture, we have all this, it isn't worth Anything to an investor, and uh, what I did is basically mirror Wall Street and and small or privately private or public companies, and you know I can't expect my partners to buy stock, um you know the old-fashioned way. What's in accounts receivable? You know you take the depreciated furniture, um and and the other thing that needs to be done is when you determine your profit or EBITDA. Um, it's determined based on the fair market value of the doctor's salary coming out. So, um, and I don't know if that makes sense, but uh, that's a really important thing to do because the only thing that's worth anything is the profit, right? I mean, when you, when, when, that makes sense. Uh, when right now private equity is buying up practices, right? They're buying up medical spots. And what they're doing is, they're just paying a multiple of EBITDA. Don't they? Don't care if you have a cool sculpting machine. They don't. They want to see your profit loss statements. And it really should be no way, no different for us. I think the fact that typically when physician and physician practices go to accountants, they use the old methodology of evaluating practices. That's where the stalemate comes because um, the accountant says, you know, you've got all this furniture, you've got all this other stuff, or you've got accounts receivable you know, how much, you know, paper towels, medical supplies, none of that really means anything. Um, and I learned that a long, long time ago. Yeah. I remember talking to a an accountant. and I, he came in, we're trying to do evaluation, at the surgery center. And he said to me, I said to him, I said, do you want to go down and see it? He's like, no, I'm good. I'm like, what do you mean? You, you don't want to see it. He's like, no, I, it's all right here. Send numbers. And you know, and <laughs> so that's where, where the valuation needs to come in. But I would encourage that as early as is possible, um, before it becomes a contentious discussion. And this is where so many of them fall apart year four and five, because you're in the honeymoon phase for a few years. And then we start talking about partnership and can't agree upon a number or the junior partner gets served up a big number that isn't really a fair multiple of EBITDA. Um, And then, you know, they're asked, well, you don't want to buy in and it's two million dollars. I mean, no junior partner has two million bucks to buy half or something like that. Um, So I don't know if that answers your question, but uh, there are consultants out there that can help you, um, you know, figure that out. Uh, I don't. I mean, I can tell you offline. I don't know that I want to promote one of the things about this podcast is I don't want to promote industry. I don't want to promote consultants and all this other stuff because. Uh, we get enough of that at the meeting, but I can talk to you offline. But there are, you go to the meetings. There are some, there are some consultants out there that can help figure valuation, and that should be an objective party. And by the way, it's not inexpensive. It's going to cost a few bucks. But but if if people are serious, genuine, and serious about doing it on both sides, that's something that should be started. You know, earlier because, like, a, for example, someone in your situation if you're working towards something in five years later, you've contributed to that significantly. Well, then why should you be buying that too? You know? So what we try to do is we try to value the stock at, you know, a year in or 18 months in so that we're not asking someone, you know, and it depends if they've had a higher, if they got a base salary, a higher base salary, then the practice is taking the risk. So that valuation can be based on the day, the person start, started. If, if, there's either an all performance or a low base, well, then, you know, that person has shared some risk with you. So, you know, you want to be extremely fair. You don't want that person to be at a performance model helping double the practice and then two years ask for twice as much in the stock value. Does that make sense? I mean, basically, that makes it makes sense, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean... Exactly. Jigger we just and I had the a we, yeah fit. Yeah, you, want you just a, want you know,
1: a fair and equitable partnership. That, that, that's all that's anybody it. wants.
0: That's all you want. That's all you want. Absolutely, because that's ultimately their succession plan depends on that too. It depends on fair, uh, fair valuations. What you're seeing now, and I'm dealing with it right now, is I've got private equity, private equity, at, you know, offering me a fortune for our practice, and it's it's a real dilemma because I know my partners couldn't pay that you know, but Hmm. the yeah, right. I mean, I mean, we could, you know, we could go to the bank and get, you know, lending and and lined up and ultimately I'm a senior partner, I could take the, you know, uh, but the reality is you'll see with a lot of private equity down the road, the doctor's salaries become compressed a little bit. Um, so it's, I mean, I, I should do a whole podcast on this because I've been paying very, very close attention. I read everything that's out there and I see what's going on. Uh, and I get people calling me a lot for advice. But um, <clears throat> but also, you know, from a purist point of view, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of corporate practice in medicine, uh, but the attorneys have figured a workaround called an MSO, which is a medical service organization, um, to basically buy medical practices now. And, um, you know, they're getting a lot of these retired partners. that, are, that are, they approach someone like dr porter okay and they offer a significant amount for that revenue stream and a multiple of EBITDA um to bring them into their fold it's yet to be seen what will happen with this because who knows in five to ten years if they could truly you know just because someone bought up you know millions of dollars worth of practices now you got to run them you know um, mm-hmm. and you gotta you gotta you gotta assimilate all those cultures so this is gonna it'll be jet to see but you know we know this has happened in the hospitals too and some of these hospitals are struggling right now but um anyway that's a long-winded answer to your question but um i love talking about this stuff as you know
1: um no well, that's I'm, great that's great thank you
0: yeah yeah and you know you know to call me anytime if you want to you want to talk about details because uh yeah. At some point, that's going to be an important discussion. Um, I'm probably going to we're, we're probably going to wrap it up just because the average person likes to listen to this, to this for about 45 minutes. Any other kind of last things in the world, uh, you know, words of advice that you can you can throw out there for junior or even a question you want to ask me and then I'll let you go, Jigger.
1: Uh, no, last, last little piece of advice is, uh, for the, the juniors, um, or current fellows or anybody else is, uh, keep working hard and then don't complain if you have too much to on your plate, if your goal was to eat.
0: Yeah, I hear you. I hear you show up and work really hard and make sure you're over delivering. That's the big thing. Don't take things for granted, uh, you know, and, and, and don't, you know, realize that that person that you're joining may have you know fought in the trenches people had people try to run them out of town you know uh, flirted with bankruptcy at one point that sort of thing so anyway listen jagger really nice to catch up with you at the meeting it was a it was extremely gratifying for me i ran into i think 11 of my former fellows um, and uh you know someone said to me it's kind of cool you're hanging out with your fellows I said, yeah. All these years, I got sucked into the board, and I couldn't hang out with, you know, hang out with my friends. But it's it's really nice to get caught up with all you guys. Um, so I just want to thank everyone for, you know, for listening to us. If you have any other questions, people you want me to interview, I got a, a whole host of them coming up. People who've been out five years, people who transitioned, had a bad, bad marriage, so to speak. Um, some people that have had crazy success doing very different things. So I appreciate you all listening. And, again, uh, Jigger, thanks so much for taking the time this evening to to, uh, share your thoughts with people who want to listen.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: All right. We'll see you at the next meeting. See you there. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye.